Welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, and Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening to this on, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. In today's episode, we will be continuing our discussion on constellations and the signs of the zodiac with an examination of Pisces or the fishes. This sign is represented by the symbol of two fishes swimming in opposite directions, which often represents conflicting currents of emotion, but also hidden depths. Important dates and correspondences that are aligned with Pisces, so from a solar conjunction point of view, astronomical is March the 12th to April the 17th, the Rashis, Sidereal, March the 15th to April the 13th, and the tropical calendar is February the 20th to March the 20th. The opposition is October the 3rd and the house is Jupiter and the element is water. Key attributes of Pisces are mysticism, you know, poetry, intuition and empathy. The colours of Pisces are usually indigos, greens, blues, anything to do with the sea, anything to do with the ocean. Incense can be lots of heady kind of incense spiritual emotional things so olibanum is good storax and the angel of pisces is barkiel so continuing to discuss some of the mythological aspects pisces is an ancient either sumerian or babylonian um, constellation most likely which is meant to date back to the time of the great flood which would have been circa 5500 bc the Babylonian story of the flood is connected with the heliacal rising of Aquarius at the time of the winter solstice, when the sun was in Pisces. Pisces is originally the fish of Ea, which is the god of wisdom. And in Babylonian mythology, there was meant to have been a never-ending struggle between the gods of salt and the gods of fresh water, which results in this great flood. And this is why we have the symbol of the two fishes, so one salt one and one fresh, facing opposite directions together by the star Alreshka or Alpha Paschium. The Babylonians are also meant to have called this sign the tails or band or leash, and this is in relevance to a string that connected the two fishes and tied to this string were meant to have been two fish goddesses, Arnitum and Sima, symbolising the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. As well as links with the imagery of the fishes, the constellation of Pisces is also meant to have been connected with the Great Flood. Experts analysed geological data and suggested that the Great Flood probably occurred in the region now occupied by the Black Sea around 7,500 years ago. And this would have been a really you know, nice fertile valley basin the size of Mesopotamia. Um, with a large water lake. The basin would have been below sea level but landlocked and then as the ice age ended it's thought that the glaciers melted and they would have produced rising sea levels which caused this sea to rise. There's many different stories about the floods and it becomes really part of folklore. In the Bible it's Noah, Sumeria it is Zeusustra and Dikalion in ancient Greeks. Babylonian stories, however, different because they focus on the hero um, demigod Gilgamesh in the epic of creation, Utnashpitin, 
one of Gilgamesh's ancestors survives the Great Flood by filling a cup-shaped boat with treasure and plants and creatures as the water rises and he sets sail with his family and after seven days he's meant to have sent out a white dove to look for dry land which is incredibly similar to the story obviously of Noah. This um, is, is amazingly ascribed as follows. I just wanted to quote briefly from um, the epic of creation. The hearts of the great gods moved them to inflict the flood. Their father Anu uttered the oath. Valiant Enlil was their advisor. Ninurta was their chamberlain. Enugi was their minister of canals. Ea, the clever prince, was under oath with them. So he repeated their talk to the reed house. Reed house, reed house, wall, wall. O man of Shrupak, son of Ubatutu. Tear down the house and build a boat. Abandon wealth and seek living beings. Spurn possessions and keep alive living beings. Make all living beings go up into the boat. And that's a quote from um, the Utnapt Pishin, which is the epic of creation from um, Babylonia. If we move over to Greek mythology now, uh, in Greek mythology the two fishes of uh, Pisces are associated with the story of Venus and Cupid. In the story a great and terrible monster named Typhon has a hundred dragon heads, eyes that shoot fire and a voice that was a combination of hissing snakes, bellowing bulls and roaring lions. One day Venus, the goddess of love and beauty, and her son Cupid are walking along the Euphrates River when Typhon suddenly appears and his hundred heads flick dark tongues and his eyes send out fire. And Typhon is intent on the goddesses and her son's destruction. They are obviously very afraid and terrified, but they cannot flee. So Venus calls upon her father Jupiter for help. Jupiter quickly transforms Venus and Cupid into two fishes and they jump into the river and escape. There's another version of this story where the two fishes, known as Ichthys, leap out of the water to rescue Venus and Cupid and then they carry them off on their backs through the river to safety. As a reward, um, Minerva, the virgin goddess, is meant to have placed the two fishes among the stars where they become the constellation of Pisces. This is, this is account recounted in lots of different classical texts. Um, for example, Pseudo-Hygienus in his Astronomica, who was a Roman mythographer from the 2nd century AD, wrote, Pisces, Diogenitus Erythraeus, says that once Venus and her son Cupid came in Syria to the river of Euphrates, there Typhon, of whom we have already spoken, suddenly appeared. Venus and her son threw themselves into the river and there changed their forms to fishes and so by doing so escaped danger. So afterwards the Syrians who are adjacent to these regions stopped eating fish, fearing to them lest they less like reason. They seem either to oppose the protection of the gods or to entrap the gods themselves. Um, Ovid also talks about this particular story in Fasti, when he says the following Pisces, heaven's horses, they say that you and your brother, for your stars gleam together, ferried two gods on your backs, once Dion, 
in flight from terrible Typhon, when Jupiter, armed in heaven's defence, reached the Euphrates with tiny Cupidos in tow and sat by the helm of Palestine's stream. Poplars and reeds dominated the tops of the banks, willows too offered hope of concealment. While she hid, the wood roared with wind. She pales with fear and believes a hostile band approaches. As she clutched her son to her breast, she cries, To the rescue, nymphs, and bring help to two divinities. No delay, she leapt. Twin fish went underneath them, for which you see the present stars are named. And that's a quote from Ovid. So as you can see, that's a bit of a story around the um, why the symbol of Pisces is as it is. Due to the possession of equinoxes, Pisces is now technically the first sign of the zodiac, although traditionally um, the beginning of the zodiac would be marked by the vernal equinox, the point at which the sun crosses the celestial equator on its journey north. 2,500 years ago, when our zodiac was created and formatted, um, the vernal equinox would have been in Aries. However, around 300 AD, procession carries it into Pisces, where it's going to remain until around 2450 when it moves into Aquarius. Um, this point is known as the first of Aries, even though it is now in Pisces, and this is one of the reasons why Pisces is also known as the leader of the celestial host. Other interesting stuff about Pisces, um, Romans called the constellation Aquilonius from a rain-bearing wind that came from the north when the sun is in Pisces. It's also the national constellation of Judea and was known as Dalgalim, or the two fishes. And some also theorised that the two fishes signified the joining of the tribes of Simeon and Levi. Pisces is also a symbol of early Christianity, as probably many of you know. And some say that the two fishes symbolise the feeding of the 5,000. This ictic symbol is very similar to the Pisces symbol, consisting of the two intersecting arcs uh, representing the profile of a fish. And this was known as a secret symbol, particularly amongst the early Christians, and would have had lots of different meanings. Um, one of the meanings that people think it is, it was it was actually like an acrostic or an acronym for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Saviour. So Iota, Chia, Theta, Upsilon, Sigma. So the symbol of the fishes is a very common one in many of the Gospels. For example, four of the twelve apostles were fishermen. So you've got Andrew, Simon, Peter, John and James. Um, there's also various different miracles involving fish uh, within the the bible so feeding the five thousand which is also known as the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish there's also the parable of drawing in the net um, and where jesus actually compares the father at the final judgment with with a fisherman and he's meant to have said once again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weaking and gnashing of teeth. That's Matthew 
1347. Other elements from that as well is you know there's there's obviously ideas around the the fish symbol and and the possibility that perhaps he wasn't born around Christmas, um, but in February under Pisces, um, and the main suggestion or evidence that people put forward for this idea is that shepherds would not have been tending their flocks at night outside during December. Um, so, yeah, it's... Who knows? Jury's out on that one. Other aspects from a magical perspective on Pisces. So during the time of Pisces, you know, it's a time of breaking waters. Um, so when the snow, the cold of winter begins to warm up and turn into slush and mud... Pisces is a very watery sign um, and energy and it can have very sort of changeable behaviour that emerges from nowhere. They're very intuitive, they're very, very psychic energy and this is obviously one of their symbols. It's this kind of fish that's deep diving deep down into, into the waters um, really. So down, down into the deep sea of the imagination, of the mysteries. But within that depth, within those oceans, is everything that is in our imagination, every fantasy, thought form, terrors and fears, as well as delights, addictions and everything else, distractions. So there's a lot of um, elements here that this energy is about wisdom, it's about creativity, but it's also about diving deep into that unconscious, that collective unconscious, to retrieve the hidden secrets, the gold, the pearls. And obviously we can see this with the two fish swimming in different directions. So one is like looking outwards and one is going inwards and easily representing this idea of like the division of attention between reality and fantasy or imagination and the real world from a magical perspective um the planetary aspects of it um as i said it's very focused around subtle energies people often attribute the planet neptune um to pisces it's very, very focused around visualization, divination, dream work, um, emotions, and feelings. And because it's also a watery sign, the energy of Pisces is also about sort of feelings and sensitivity, receptivity, imagination, and nurturing. So, very good work, very good energy to work with, particularly if you want to kind of get in touch with that more intuitive side, dream work, and getting in touch with empathy you know if you need something kind of like that that this would be a very good thing to sort of work around or creative ideas you know a new way of looking at things to finish the episode i wanted to read a lovely poem which dates from 200 ad called the gnostic hymn of the pearl um, which i wanted to read a few quotes from it's a very long poem um, but it's really interesting and it's worth you know, doing some meditation on this because the poem tells the story of a spiritual seeker who dives into the ocean to recover a pearl of great price. And it's a really beautiful representation of the wisdom and the creativity that can be found 
within ourselves through diving into that deep collective unconscious that lies within. This is the Gnostic Hymn of the Pearl. If thou goest down into Egypt and bringest the one pearl which is in the midst of the sea, around the loud breathing serpent thou shalt put on thy glittering robe and thy toga with which thou art contented and with thy brother who is next to us in authority thou shalt be heir in our kingdom. Awake and rise from your sleep and hear the words of our letter. Remember that you are the son of kings and see the slavery of your life. Remember the pearl for which you were sent into Egypt. Remember your robe of glory and your splendid mantle which you may wear. When your name is called in the book of life, when it is read in the book of heroes, when you and your brother inherit our kingdom. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Ocalan podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please check out the website at ocalan.co.uk. Thank you and good night.